0: So this is the sound of a roulette wheel. It's a game that played in casinos. Many people know it, And for those of you who have never played, I'm going to give you, you know, the 5,000-foot basic view about how the game actually works. So in the United States, generally speaking, there are 38 slots. They're numbered one through 36. There's a single zero and there's a double zero, so a total of 38 slots. 18 of them are black, 18 of them are red, and there are two green slots, usually the zero and the double zero. And so now the ball spins, just like the original sound that we heard at the beginning of this segment. And I think we can all agree that the ball and where it lands is random. Where it's going to go, nobody can predict and very importantly it has an equal chance of landing in any individual spot right in other words it could land on 1 it could land on 17 and the chance of landing on any spot is 1 out of 38 pretty simple straightforward right it just seems if you go to the casino that you know it never lands on your number that i that that's something separate Right? But we can say that before the ball goes, before the ball is spun, the wheel is spun, it is exactly 1 out of 38 chance of landing in any specific single slot. Okay, so how does the game actually work? Well, the game actually works that you can place a chip, and let's just call it a $1 chip, on any single number. And let's just make up the number, we'll call it 17. So if you bet $1 and put it on 17, and the ball magically lands on the slot, which is has the number of 17, what do you get? Well you get 34, right, for every dollar that you put onto that square on the roulette board. And so you get your 34 and you get your dollar back for a total of 35. Now, we had already just discussed, right? Which is that the chance, the probability of the ball landing in any spot was 1 out of 38. Yet you only ended up with 35, right? In other words, you didn't get your proper amount of money back and by proper what I mean adjusted for the fact that it was only a 1 in 38 chance even if you got it exactly right you only got 35 at the end of the spin and that money is yours right so as a result you can see what has happened. You didn't get your exact money back and you can do this again. You can put a dollar on every single square, right? One through 36, one on a zero, one on a double zero. You spin the ball, it rolls and lands on 29. You get your dollar back that you originally bet. You get 34 extra, right? And you lose on every other of the single one, other single slots. So in other words, for sure, For sure, you've lost three. Okay? And this is gambling. And this is gambling. And it is very important to understand the definition we are going to use here for what gambling actually is. What gambling actually is is that you know the probability in advance, and you do it anyway. That's it. That's it, right? It's undisputed what we've what we've just discussed over the last few minutes, right? One out of 38 chance to be in any single slot. You bet your dollar. You never end up with 38 back at the end of it, even if you hit, even if the ball landed exactly in the slot that's gambling because you know you're not going to get your all 38 back right you do it anyway so now let's change the game a little bit let's change the rules of the game in other words so as you probably know if you go into a casino that the rules are regulated by someone right gaming commission whoever that is okay someone's making the rules and they're the ones who said well you've got to pay 34 and then the, give the dollar back so you get 35 if you if the ball lands directly on 17 where you placed your chip let's say however now that the regular sa- regulator says okay if the person puts a chip on 17 and the ball lands on 17 or whatever the designated slot is, that the casino has to give you 42 and then your dollar back. In other words, at the end of the spin, you get your dollar back and you get 42 extra for a total of 43. Okay, what would happen then? What what would happen then is you are always going to win, right? Because you could just then put one chip on every single square you get your 43 back you lose 37 right because you've lost on all the other squares where it did not hit right so you get your 43 you lost 37 you are guaranteed to win six so what would you do you would you would bet the maximum right? I mean, whatever the maximum is, you didn't have enough money in your pocket. What do you do? You call up all your friends, tell them, send me some money, Venmo me some money, whatever it would be, right? You'd max out your credit card and get a cash advance. You would drive to the bank and see if you get an Insta loan, if that even exists, whatever it is, right? Because you're for sure going to win six for sure. What actually would happen if that were the case? Let me tell you what would happen. The casino would close the game. Why? Because the casino understands that there's a 1 out of 38 chance, right? And we just happen to call it a casino. I mean, you could call it any party, right? In other words, that the probability was exactly 1 out of 38. That is undisputed. And if the rules of the game is that the loser had to pay out 43, the person running the game just simply says, We're closed. This is an, a sure loss for us. Forget it. Also, quite obvious. Now let's continue on with this game, this contorted game, where if you put a dollar you put a chip on 17 and you got and the ball landed on 17 then you would get you know 42 plus 1 which is 43 in total okay so clearly if you could bet a dollar on this game you do it you do it i mean there's no question now however you have a little twist And the twist here is that you must, in order to be able to play this game, you must put at least $1 million on every single square for a total of $38 million. That is your cost that you need to put on the table, in cash, right so that you could buy 38 chips each worth 1 million dollars so now you can see you know there's a practical problem right the practical problem is the number of people who have 38 million dollars to bring to the casino in order to play this special game of roulette even if it was a guaranteed win so what would happen, right? You'd have a billionaire. Well, the billionaire is going to be at the table, right? <laughs> For sure. I promise you, right? Because if they know that there's a free, what did I call it? If I if I said that there's a free $5 million per every spin, you can be darn sure the billionaire is going to be at the table, right? They can afford it. They're going to play it. It doesn't matter. The cost is not prohibitive. To the most of us, to the most of us, this is unattainable. We cannot play. We cannot gain entry into this game. Okay. We're going to call this, you know, example A, example A, right? So we had the base case of how cassine, how roulette actually works, right? The, we know what the probability is. We know what gambling is. And we now have example A, okay? Very important here. Now, why is that important? It's important because the regulator, the person who said, you know, whoever governs this game has changed the rule, right? He's changed the rule. That person's, that group has changed the rule so that the payout guarantees a win. So the casino says, no, we're going to close this game. That's what we would want to do. Regulator says, okay, if you're going to close roulette, You're also going to turn off all your slots machines, all your dice, whatever other games exist in that casino, right? So then the casino says, all right, fine, we're going to play, but the minimum has to be $1 million per square. So you have to bring $38 million at the minimum in order to play this game. Okay, so now you can see it's a far less popular game casino is going to lose. So the number of entrants, what did they do? They limited the number of entrants if they even offered the game whatsoever. What in the world does this have to do with financial matters? Financial planning matters. Well, what is it? Well, this silly example, simple example, right? It explains health insurance. It explains the Affordable Care Act. It explains people's motivation and the vehement, the violent debate around health insurance. What is that? Okay, now instead of the game, now all of a sudden, let's just say that the player has type 1 diabetes and is 900 pounds and takes 90 units of insulin a day that person is in trouble, right? I mean, I'm not hoping anything bad happens to him, but let's just face it, that person has serious health matters, right? They're going to have to go to the doctor. They're going to want to buy highest quality health insurance. Guess what? Under the Affordable Care Act, under the Affordable Care Act, insurance companies must sell to this 900-pound man at the same price as the 150-pound, 170-pound, 5'9 Mr. Perfect. That is the price of admission that the state regulators and the federal government have placed on insurance companies in order to sell health insurance. You want to sell health insurance? You have to sell it at this particular price, for the, assuming that this those two players were the same age and sex, even though we can agree those two people are radically different from each other. That's the rule. That's the rule. And now you can understand what the 900 pound man would say. He loves it. He loves it, right? Because he, he is highly probable to use the health insurance. The hundred and 70 pound, 5 foot 10, Mr. Perfect. He hates it. He hates it. Why? Because the price is going to be way too high. He's always going to be paying this dollar and he's never going to get above 38 or most likely not going to get above 38. Whereas the 900 pound man is almost certainly going to get his 43. Does that make sense? Right? I mean, you can see it, that the probabilities for the two players is radically different. How they value this game and the payout structure is entirely different from each other. And the rules set by the regulator have told the casino or have told the insurance company, too bad, you've got to sell at that price, you've got to pay out as it's written in advance irrespective of the player irrespective of the player that's what health insurance does today that's the affordable care act that also is medicare that also is medicare okay when you first turn 65 you have unlimited rights you get to buy at the same price as the next guy no matter what your background is no questions asked period and now you can understand the logic you can understand the logic why take the 900 pound man right to this person the value of this game the value of this exercise is so valuable to him that he's willing to pay a very high price because why because his payout is going to be so high. He's going to get 43. He's going to get 44, 45, 46, 50 at the same price that the 170 pound man, right? Who never goes to the doctor, who's Mr. Bulletproof, Mr. Perfect. That's what health insurance does. That's the Affordable Care Act. And you can see that makes it very unique compared to other types of insurance. Very unique. So for example, let's say you try to buy auto insurance. Well, guess what you have to do? You've got to put down your credit record. You've got to give them your driving record. And your price will be adjusted. I promise. Right? Everyone knows this. Very clear. Very clear. Let's say for example, you're trying to buy homeowners insurance. What do they ask? Well, first and foremost, they ask about the value of your house, right? They ask what the neighborhood is like. They know how much this house is worth and how much its worth is pretty much, you know, in the context of the neighborhood. And then they're going to continue to ask questions, aren't they? Do you have a wood-burning stove? Do you live in a location which is a high crime area where there can be damage to the home, for example? Right, in other words, you get these other follow-up questions and guess what, your price changes. Your price changes. You don't get to stand up to the roulette wheel and put a single chip at the same price if you're 900 pounds as you were able to, as the 170 pound person, that doesn't exist in homeowners insurance, that doesn't exist in auto insurance. So it's fundamentally different, right? So what ends up happening and you can see it right away, right away. Everyone knows about homeowners insurance and auto insurance, that this is the way that it works renter's insurance they ask you how much stuff do you have how valuable is it your price changes right the payout's different so the price changes of course it does you know what people do you know what everyday people do they lump these types of insurances together as if they are the same thing they're not the same thing right The price changes under homeowner's insurance or auto insurance. The price is uniform for the 170 pound man versus the 900 pound man. That's a huge difference. The payout's different. The probability of payout is different, but the price stayed the same under health insurance. The price varies for homeowner's insurance, auto insurance. Life insurance absolutely changes, right? Life insurance company doesn't sell to the 900-pound man. Not usually. If you have to buy a $100,000 policy, can't usually get it. Okay. So in addition to that, what else? So what else are the differences? And we're just taking the simple example, right? Health insurance, auto insurance, homeowner's insurance. What else? Well, let's say, for example, right, under health insurance, the 900-pound man has paid the same price as the 170-pound Mr. Perfect and then starts to require health care services. In other words, he starts getting benefits. Under health insurance, the way the Affordable Care Act works is what? He can keep receiving benefits with no limit. He can get $1,000 of benefits. He can get $1,000,000 of benefits. He can get $20,000,000 of benefits. And guess what the insurance company can say? Nothing. Nothing. Under homeowner's insurance, what do you get? Your house burns down for some freak of nature that is still covered by your policy. What happens? What do you get? Do you get an amount which is 10 times the value of your house? You don't, you're going to end up debating with the, with the insurance company. How much was your actual loss? And let's just call your loss X dollars. Do you get five X? You never get five X. You have a limit. There's a limit, and it's on the value of the stuff you have lost. Under health insurance, what's your payout? Your payout has unlimited upside in terms of the value of the benefits you can receive. You can see how radically different it is. So when as soon as I changed it, as soon as I explained it in roulette terms, it becomes very, very clear, very clear, right? In other words, it costs, it costs this chip and the chip, the price of the chip was the same between the two players, irrespective of 170 pounds or 900 pounds, same age, male versus risky driver and safe driver versus house with a wood-burning stove and a house without a wood-burning stove. The prices are different and the payout structure is different. Do you see it? The payout structure is different right from the get-go. You can see where I'm saying from the beginning in the intro, nevertheless, when I talk to persons about, you know, a certain financial planning matters, people try to use generalizations. Oh, it's kind of like homeowner's insurance or vice versa. No, it's not. Before we move on too much further, you know, it's not part of this comparison or analysis. If you call it analysis, we're not discussing whether or not, The cost of a CT scan should be $3,000 or whether the cost of hemophilia treatment should be a million dollars a month. That is not part of this conversation, right? The objection to the million dollars a month has nothing to do with the calculations and the analogies that I've just drawn. You're talking about the cost of the healthcare system, right? Your objection to the million dollars a month is the fact that you don't like the way that the costing of the healthcare system was determined. That is different than the rules of analyzing the price and the payout. It is, it's different. So what ends up happening is, and you can just imagine what ends up happening. So I'm on social media, and I have a book to sell, and it's called Maximize Your Medicare. You know this. This Maximize Your Medicare podcast. Anyway, you can see the you can, you should see <laughs> you should see the reactions to, to advertisements that I run, and I run an experiment because I just want to see what people's reaction will be don't go and sp- i don't spend thousands of dollars a month forget it no i would never do that but for you know x dollars a month i do it just to, just for the exercise to seeing people's reactions and on more than one occasion the criticism isn't about the book it's about well it's no fair that a ct scan in the united states costs $3000 the book my analysis my role here as a person to help people understand the financial implications isn't addressing the fairness of the healthcare system at all therefore the criticisms that you have that i heard on my you know website or whatever it would be facebook advertisement that person is arguing about a separate topic I'm trying to address the way that you understand financial ramifications given the system we have that is entirely different. If you want to solve if you want to solve the fact that the CT scan shouldn't cost $3000, that is an entirely different debate. You're talking about healthcare policy. You're talking about the hospital system. You're talking about the cost of becoming a medical doctor. You're talking about the cost of the technology of the CT machine. It's got nothing to do with the rules of roulette, the cost of the chips, and the payouts you get if your number happens to arrive. So let's move on to a slightly different example, but the same roulette table. Okay, so we'll call this one example B. Under this situation, you still have the same two players. Two men, same age. Mr. Bulletproof, Mr. 900-pound. Okay? Now, however, the minimum amount that you have to wager at any time is five hundred dollars okay you can place the chips on wherever you want but you must use five hundred dollars what happens then right because this is a different situation versus the one dollar chip or the million dollars per chip and you've got to put one each, right? So it's $500 $500 every time to play. What would end up happening? Well, what would end up happening is also, you know, somewhat clear-ish, but certainly more complicated. Certainly more complicated. What is it? Well, what it is, is that the person who's 170 pounds says, You know, the likelihood of winning for me, for me collecting anything is so bad because in other words, getting health benefits is bad. Why? I'm never sick. I'm never sick. doesn't matter. So why would I use even a dollar? I don't want to use a dollar, much less 500 to Mr. 900 pounds. However, that is different. That's different, right? In other words, the probability of collecting benefits is so high, $500, even if, even if all he has is $600, may be worth it. So you can see it again, right? The rules of the payouts, no matter what they are, are the same for both players. Nevertheless, The two players, because of their individual situation, value the $500 differently, right? One, because he's Mr. Bulletproof, the other one is 900 pounds with, you know, 60 units of insulin a day. They're going to value the probability of payout far differently from one another. Now let's move to option C, or or now let's move to example C. Okay. Now it's five hundred dollars. In order to wage, you must wager five hundred dollars at roulette. Okay. However, one hundred and seventy pound person is a multi-millionaire and the 900-pound person is penniless. Now what happens? A little different, but... and a different outcome, right? A different outcome, for sure. Why is that? Well, the reason is, is that Mr. Perfect, who has many millions of dollars, he knows that the probability of Requiring healthcare services very, very low. He's Mr. Perfect. Nevertheless, he knows there's a slight probability. He has no crystal ball. Something weird could happen at some point. And to him, five hundred dollars is not a lot of money because, see, he has I mean, five hundred dollars is always a lot of money, but to him, he doesn't value that five hundred dollars compared to compared to the losses if he does require healthcare services even if even if the probability today is low that makes him very very different than mr 900 pounds who has both no money because for whatever reason he doesn't earn, have that amount of financial resources and his probability of needing it needing to play this roulette spin is very very high in a nutshell then you can see what actually i do these exa- these simple examples abc they 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 actually can be drawn to exactly what I do in every financial topic. Right? In other words, number one, what did I do? Number one, I assess the probability. I assess the probability without discrimination or distraction. Right? There are 38 slots. It's perfectly random, was the first base case. Right? I assessed what the payout is compared to the probability. That was my base case. And then what did I do? I adjusted the base case. To what? I adjusted for the fact that Mr. Perfect is 170 pounds, never sick, or you know what I'm saying, which is you know excellent health. In other words, a house living on a desert where there's no rain, there's no elements, and no wood-burning stove. Same thing. In other words, I assessed the probability for that particular situation. Then what did I do? Other situations. I assessed their financial ability to pay. They are assessed whether or not their personal financial resources were appropriate to pay the market price as determined by rules that were given to us. And literally, that's it. It doesn't matter what financial situation you're talking about. It could be life insurance. It could be annuity. It could be whether or not you're accepting Social Security at a particular age or not. What am I doing? I'm first thinking about the base case and then adjusting for your individual situation. What am I not assessing here? Did you hear me ask you what your political affiliation is? Did you hear me ask you what your theological positions are. Did I accuse you of being a baby killer? Did I accuse you of being a socialist? Nope. (laughs) It wasn't clear to you. The answer was no, right? In other words, those variables and those situations, scenarios, examples are done without discrimination of any sort. And now you can understand how stunned I am when I try to discuss financial matters with people. They don't understand the base case about how the payout works. They don't understand how their particular situation can alter their value to playing roulette. Okay. To playing roulette. And then since, and then, when they object, because they don't understand what I'm the lot, most people understand, right? But rather than taking the time to actually understand those steps, what did they do? They heard it from their friend, some other objection about a politician, an insurance company whether or not a CT scan should cost $3,000. All not necessarily having to do anything with the steps that we've taken on this podcast so far. Has nothing to do with it. Nevertheless, that's the objection that comes up. Now, just as importantly as kind of, and part of, very related to these examples is let's just say you're now the 170 pound, Mr. Perfect, right? The one who's a multimillionaire. What does he understand? He understands easily. $500 is not much of his net worth. He can afford it. Even if it's highly improbable for something for him to actually use it. Okay. From here, you get a whole set of objections whole set of objections from people, and we'll go through them. Number one, the ball spins, he's used the $500, it doesn't come up where he's placed the chips, does not. He then says, this is a stupid game, I'm never going to play again, why? because I never get back my $500. So this is flawed. This is flawed. And it's flawed for two reasons. Number one is this person eliminated the logic prior to the ball spinning, right? In other words, the probability of landing in a spot is one out of 38. We, we agreed that in the, the description of how this roulette wheel works. However, after the ball has spun in that instance, the answer either zero, meaning the ball didn't land in your spot, or one, the ball landed in your spot. It's zero or one. It's not one out of 38. It isn't. It's either zero or one, period. That's it. Okay? But making that determination after the fact can be called, as we know, as a you know, sports addict that I am, watching ESPN. Well, not watching ESPN now, but watching ESPN. This is Monday morning quarterbacking. This is absolutely Monday morning quarterbacking. This is the cliche of hindsight 2020. Actually, hindsight is actually better than 2020, isn't it? Right? In other words, hey, I had this logic. I determined that $500 was worth it, and here was my reasoning. And then, after the fact, after the ball has spun and lands in a slot, and it happens to not be your slot, then the accusations fly. This is Monday morning quarterbacking. Okay? And as a result, they don't. The second mistake being made is, I'm not going to play on the second spin because of the results of the first spin. Doesn't work that way. Okay, and I'll change the topic here. This is, and the analogy I love to use, one of my favorite analogies, is this is very similar to forecasting a hurricane. Right. In other words, the hurricane is forecasted to hit Miami Beach. The hurricane very rarely directly hits Miami Beach, doesn't it? It may go to the south, to the Keys. It may go to the north, to Fort Lauderdale. The number of times that it hits directly at Miami Beach is not hardly any. Right. In other words, and you can see this when you see hurricane. We're coming up to hurricane season, right? We'll, what will we see? We will see cones of probability. Ranges of where it could be. We will not see with certainty that it hits exactly the spot it was projected to land. And to show you just how similar these topics are, and how you know appropriate the, this analogy is, what happens after? weather forecast is made people take cover and then it passes Ooh, the weatherman he's never right is, is that not the case right in other words human nature can't resist the monday morning quarterbacking exercise and says you know you went through all the trouble and you know, weatherman's never right it's kind of like an economist and just as importantly, the next hurricane system approaches. Okay? The fact that the prior hurricane didn't directly hit Miami Beach. So, what? You're going to ignore the next hurricane and the next hurricane forecast. Is that what you're going to do? The answer is no, or it should be, right? But what ends up happening in financial matters, it didn't work out. So forget it. My $500 is gone and I didn't get anything from it. And as a result, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wager the $500 on the next spin. You can see it. In other words, the common sense in you says, look, another forecast, a hurricane is forecast here. You still board up your house. You still board up your house. Do you know why? Because, yes, I live in Miami Beach, and I know the fact that it didn't hit there directly. A forecast, The next forecast is to hit Miami Beach again. It didn't hit last time. Well, you know better. You still have to board up your house because it could hit this time. When it comes to financial matters, what ends up happening is people... They throw away their logic they throw away the logic that they would have used in the hurricane situation where you're talking about some probability of something happened but then some range of error that it doesn't hit exactly and instead what kind of things do i hear i hear well i didn't get anything from my 500 dollars. okay you don't hear well i didn't get anything out of the money that i used to buy the wood to board up my house. You see what I'm saying? In other words, you still have what? You've got something with a probability in advance. You know what the cost to try to protect yourself or to do something with, you use money to protect yourself in the instance that it does or does not occur. Yet in the hurricane situation, we go, okay, Well, a new hurricane's coming here, so we're going to have to do it again. You have no choice. People do it. Right? And then, on the other hand, on financial matters, they use a different set of logic. Exactly what I said at the beginning of this podcast. So the reality is I go on and on. Right? I mean, literally, the number of examples that I could give on variations on this similar type of exercise this spin of the roulette wheel you know before and after the price the payout and then who the different buyers would be this similar exercise i could create basically an uncountable number of different situations right that that is the case every person is slightly different every buyer is not as discreet as not as far away as 170 pound mr perfect versus mr 900 pound right they're not that there's all sorts of shades of gray in between those two you know participants i think we can agree nevertheless as i just said right the analysis the way that we go through this process the way that we examine the exercise of the ball spinning on this wheel where we don't know where it's going to land. Where we don't know where it's going to land is quite similar. No matter what no matter what the underlying situation is, meaning that meaning that we need to know what the base case is, we need to know it well first. We absolutely need to know it well, and then we need to make adjustments. So, rather than telling you about Medicare, Medicare Advantage, Medigap, auto insurance, uninsured motorists rider, um, you know, elimination period, maximum benefit amount, guaranteed lifetime income rider. All of this jargon, I've just rattled off 10 different terms, deductible, uh, copayment, coinsurance, annual out of pocket maximum, the list goes on and on. Okay. And the reason I give you that list is i now tell you what I actually I'm doing here, right? So you can see what I'm do in guiding the two participants at the roulette table, the roulette wheel how to analyze it for themselves? How, in other words, how does it affect that person? Without discrimination towards political party, et cetera, et cetera, color of skin, you know, theological belief. Bluntly put, Humana doesn't have a place in its application to check off whether or not you're a Democrat or Republican. They don't, I checked, right? The reality is, is the similar type of exercise happens in every aspect of every financial choice you make the easiest the most obvious the or the one that dominates um, most people's attention as they re- approach retirement is when to take social security when to take social security and you have what you have in the real world today, unfortunately, is you've got articles a thousand words long, and they say, well, you should defer because of, you know, three bullet points. The issue is it didn't adjust for the two participants. It didn't. And then all of the other shades of gray in the middle it presumes these articles, generally speaking, generally, I'm not saying all of them, I'm not saying all of them, but generally speaking, what happens is they give you rules of thumb. But guess what? I gave you a rule of thumb, which is the case on the roulette wheel, did not apply the same to Mr. Perfect versus Mr. 900 pounds. Didn't. So as a result, what ends up happening is people say I read this article in Kiplingers and it said x. I read this article in money money.com and I read this 300-word article so I'll take that as the you know advice that should be applicable to me. I heard it from my buddy and it worked out. Your buddy doesn't know that you have a DNA and a family history which would have changed your life your, you know, life expectancy. Your buddy doesn't know that you have this dream to take this vacation or to, to build, an, well, I guess vacation's out in, a, in an era of pandemic, but you can understand my point. You have some financial objective and it's time sensitive. In other words, the average case, the base case, may be radically altered for your individual situation so you can understand what I'm saying of when I see people make errors that at first they don't understand the math of the roulette wheel and how the payouts work and the cost and then they don't adjust for their own situation and then a Monday morning quarterback because they've made some mistake along the way and they didn't like the outcome and the funny thing is, is is that if I change the topic to the hurricane which has the same kind of probability thought process uncertain forecast you know the people who made these the people who made these hurricane models Let's just agree that they're pretty good at science. They didn't come up with these hurricane forecasting models out of a crackerjack box. Right? I mean, these are some smart people. And the thing is, is that, that everyday people, they use their common sense. Yeah, they were lucky that, the, that it didn't hit. Another one's coming. They didn't throw away their logic. They didn't throw away their logic. They didn't throw away the forecast. They're boarding up their house the second time, by far the majority. Let's not talk about the weird people who make the, you know, Instagram or TikTok, you know, videos saying we survived, you know, this bogus forecast. No, I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the rational person, rational actor in their own self-best interest, in their own self-best interest. Yes, I got it right. Okay. So anyway, you can hear it. You can see it. What ends up happening? The number of errors, the different types of errors that I see every day, all the time on financial matters along this path, too many to count, too many to count. And guess what? It doesn't matter if you have a PhD. It doesn't matter if you've never graduated high school. You you can't actually... You can't actually predict who's going to choose i can't predict necessarily who's going to act wrongly and this is why for you know subscribers to the maximizing your medicare newsletter i you know with admiration refer to someone called farmer fred farmer fred is does not have a ph did not have a phd he has passed away but farmer fred did not but when we dis- when we discussed medicare he knew clearly what i was saying he understood there was a cost to the chip. He understood what he was doing it for. He understood what the payout would be if a certain situation occurred. We didn't talk politics. We didn't talk, you know, the fact that they got tons of advertisements and flyers in the mail. We kept our eye on the exercise without being distracted. Farmer Fred decided conclusively for he and his wife, his household. He knew its function. He didn't try to introduce other extenuating circumstances, other, thing, other impertinent facts or opinions. He kept his eye on the function of what we was trying to be accomplished at that roulette table and decided what was best for him. I bring up the example because ultimately as a financial planner what I'm doing is then a combination a combination because it's not only one exercise it's not only one exercise of Social Security it's not only one exercise of do I need life insurance it's not only one exercise is is dental insurance worth it should I have short term liability do I need an annuity does my portfolio you know fit my circumstance right all of those are individual individual exercises and they have individual, different jargon, terminology, crossfire, criticisms. So let me be your guide here. On the, and, you know, we're running out of time and I don't want to talk for two hours. And you certainly don't want to listen for two hours. So number one, just like Farmer Fred, follow the cash flow. Follow cash flow the cash flow right just like the roulette table we knew how much the chip was we knew what we would get back if something happened the fact of the matter is is that what is difficult about financial topics is you've got all of this this jargon crazy jargon crazy right guaranteed lifetime benefit Uh, You know, participation rate, cap on annuities, for example, deferred income annuity, single premium immediate annuity, long-term care, universal life insurance with long, it, it goes on and on and on and on, right? My advice to persons when we're analyzing these choices is you're looking for a defined function and then you are clearly identifying the cash flow period all of that language is there to change the pattern of the cash flow it's my job to explain this to you it's your job to keep your eye your focus on following the cash flow that it fits what you are trying to accomplish. Now, you can understand, I'm going to be biased here, right? Is, is that some persons have the ability to analyze that by yourself at home. It's not the majority. I'll just put it as kindly as I can, right? You can be expert at Venetian but we're maybe talking Mandarin, right? It's my job to translate the Mandarin into a language you can understand. And that language should be follow the cash flow. Second is that it looks, and this will be my last point, is that these topics are, Because of the way that they are sold to you, the way that they are presented to you and the way that your friends, your neighbors, and other people have done it. People try to fragment these different topics from one another, especially when it comes to their financial planning. So let's just take a look at some of these topics. What are they? health insurance, life insurance, long-term care investments, lifetime income. Okay. Let's just broadly call it those topics and there are all sorts of variations, but okay. What ends up happening here is people try to segment them as and fragment them into different areas of and as if they're separate topics that defeats the purpose that is limited and the reason is the following is that financial problems don't occur when one thing goes wrong because I can fix one thing financial problems occur when multiple things go wrong at the same time Murphy's Law When it rains, it pours, right? Your simple example, portfolio down, and then you need to go to a nursing home, right? And then, and only, only. so what ends up happening is people try to think of the two as separate. That's natural. I can understand that. Why? The stockbroker knows nothing about long-term care. They don't understand what elimination period is. They don't understand that long-term care insurance needs to have, you know, medical underwriting and they're just doing their thing. I like Apple. I like Facebook. Okay. But the reality is my job is dealing with the entire household pie, the entire pie. And what are the payouts under different circumstances? The most harmful I just mentioned to you. Portfolio down, and then you have this big cost that you did not plan for. This is your overall household pie is what you're trying to protect, maximize. Maximize your household net worth. That is... So you can understand, Maximize Your Medicare, my book, is a subset of it. It's a subset of it. I'll end there, because why? Because Medicare is the singular spot where the payouts are the best and the prices are the lowest. Full stop, available to you no matter what your net worth is. You can send me questions. J-A-E at com. You can also send it to my financial planning website. J-A-E at G-H-2 Benefits. B-E-N-E-F-I-T-S dot com. Either one of those will work. The reality is, is today's podcast is the most important podcast that I can name because it actually links together every other podcast that i have spoken about every all the nuances of medicare are really to do what preserve the payout to identify what the cash flow looks like to identify the payout when you stand at the roulette wheel i'm jay please subscribe to the podcast Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, you can subscribe to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. It's actually much more than Medicare. Please give it a five-star review. Allows other people to discover Maximize Your Medicare. I'm Jay. Speak to you the next time.